Another episode of What's With The Pineapple podcast. Special edition, capital day edition. Where's a, the air horn? A, a unique approach, a last second decision, I think, by us to try to capture in audio some of the day, uh, get some interviews while we have so much talent and leadership in this industry all in one location. So we are going to have some great interviews. You're not going to hear me specifically me, wax on uh, forever about issues of the day, or Emily, we are going to have a lot of interviews uh, with different people throughout the day. First up is Quentin Messer, who is our keynote speaker today. He is the president and CEO of the Michigan Economic Development Corporation. Such a great interview. I'm excited to share that one with all of you. He was a great speaker for our group. I think very inspirational, frankly, for a lot of our group. And he was great and very personal, or as you like to say, very human in his interview and sharing what this industry means uh, to the state of Michigan. So you're going to enjoy that. And uh, what else do we have on the, on the docket? Yeah, we have Chairman Billy Downs joining us. We have uh, Peter Bukema, who is the vice chair of our Government Affairs Committee. And also Jeanne Fear joining us as well, who is the treasurer um, of the board. A great lineup ahead. All-star lineup, top to bottom. Love it. Let's get going. Okay, ready? This is it. This is the show. What's with the pineapple? A brand new podcast from the Michigan Restaurant and Lodging Association. Pineapples don't grow in Michigan. No, not native to Michigan. Let me write that down. Putting a a hospitality spin on what exactly is going on in Lansing. Shed some light on the industry specifically in Michigan. I think we're going to have some good guests. What is with the pineapple? What's with the industry? What's going on in Michigan? We can edit this if that's not right, right? Okay, with us today is Quentin Messer, the President and CEO of Michigan Economic Development Corporation. Quentin, thank you for taking the time to join us on What's With the Pineapple podcast and for keynoting our Capital Day uh, event today, literally just seconds ago in front of 200 people uh, here at our headquarters in downtown Lansing. So for those listening who might not know what MEDC is, can you summarize the Michigan Economic Development Corporation, and then talk about your role as president and CEO. Well, thank you so much, Justin. I'm so grateful for your entire team for affording me with the opportunity. I think the simple way to think about MEDC is we have a lot of different roles, but if I had to boil them down into three, it would be be the storytellers for all of Michigan, both peninsulas, 83 counties, all the wonderful things about Michigan. As it relates particularly to this industry, make sure that we guard and grow uh, Travel Michigan and the Pure Michigan brand to make sure that we can attract people, not only people from outside, but also make sure that we spur spending and opportunities for greater velocity of spend in restaurants and hotels and that nature. And related to that velocity of spend, we have to make sure that we grow and retain and attract businesses of all sizes. Not only the businesses that make the headlines, but those that are the bedrocks of communities across both peninsulas. So those are the three big picture things we do. That's a great segue into the next question, which is some of our smaller operators, of which we represent many mom and pop you know, restaurants and independent hotels as well. But those small operators might think of themselves as more removed from the big headline grabbing work that MADC does. How does your work still impact their well-being and how how can they be involved with programs you guys offer in the economic development? Sure. I mean, Emily, it's a tremendous question. 
Look, I think a big part of it is there most of the work, I would say about 85% of the work that we do at MEDC never makes the headlines. And that's programs like Match on Main, where we provide uh, $25,000 in grant support to help uh, Main Street businesses, frequently restaurants, to capital improvements and building needs and year-round dining. And that especially became very important, you know, given what we went through with the pandemic. I also think that we support small business development centers. I mean, those dollars reach out into all 83 counties. It's not directly provided or direct support by MEDC, but it's supporting an entity that supports small and medium-sized businesses. I also think that as we critically think about the, the art of the possible, there are some tremendous dining and lodging concepts that could be franchised that don't have to be single location, but helping them commit, connecting entrepreneurs and small business owners to capital sources that may say, hey, look, man, that's a great concept. I would love to franchise that. And so we are doing that through our work with SSBCI program and other dollars to help grow the small business ecosystem. I would be remiss if I didn't acknowledge, I, I talked about our Travel Michigan with Dave Lorenz and other folks that many people know, uh, but we also have two incredible um, small business vice, uh, senior vice presidents, Amy Rencher and Natalie Chimica, who work to bring these opportunities to bear for restaurants and small hotels and, and boutique parts of the hospitality industry. It's perfect. I think we need to do a better job of the association making sure we're educating our members on those opportunities. So I think you'll see some follow-up post, post today, post podcast, where we're going to make sure some of these programs get in front of uh, our members. So thank you for sharing some of those details. All right, let's get into your before Michigan days, because you're newer as a Michigander. But before your trek to the Great Lakes State, you ran the Economic Development Agency in New Orleans, possibly, probably the signature hospitality town uh, in all of America. So how did your experience and training down there prepare you to help guide Michigan's hospitality and tourism industry? You know, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, if there is a city, arguably, that is quintessentially driven by tourism hospitality is New Orleans, Louisiana. And I think that informed me in three important ways. One, you realize that the industry are the ambassadors that tell the story about how people perceive the city. And not just those who own the restaurants and the lodging, but everything from your taxi driver to your Uber driver to your Lyft driver influences how you perceive a place. 100%. And that's critically important. So I think that sensitivity to that. Uh, the second thing is, it led me to realize that you can possibly simultaneously support tourism hospitality and grow it, but also realize that you have to grow other sectors around it. Um, I remember uh, uh, Walt Leger, who now leads New Orleans and Co., former's uh, Speaker Pro Ten in Louisiana, used to say all the time that the key is growing tourism hospitality, but making sure that while it's growing, it could it, that its share of the overall economic pie is less because you're growing other things around it. And I think that that's something that we have to bring, not necessarily about tourism ho hospitality, but about mobility and other sectors that have historically dominated Michigan, agribusiness. I mean, we are the state that makes things and grows things. But I would argue that it's underrated that we know how to entertain people. 
I think that's very underrated. And the final, the other point that I learned from New Orleans is that this is a tough business. Mm-hmm. It's a really tough business. And people who are in it are some of the most ambitious, hardworking, risk-taking entrepreneurs anywhere on the planet. And it's also an industry that in many respects represents the best of America because a lot of entrepreneurs, whether you're a person of color, a veteran, or an individual with disabilities, the first business most people think about is opening a restaurant. Absolutely. And so that's why it's vitally important that we support that sector and make it more transparent about what do you what must be true for you to be successful? Not everybody's going to be successful, but but my obligation, the obligation of MEDC and others in academic development is to make it transparent the what must be trues. Now it's up for people once they learn that to kind of work through it, but we gotta make it transparent so that people understand it. Yeah, you're so right. There's so much passion in this industry on both sides, uh, on the culinary side, but also travel and tourism. Makes it easier to advocate for this industry because you know how deeply passionate people are in this industry. It is a dog-eat-dog world out there where, where people have uh, the insane desire to go forward with their concept at, at, at all costs. And those who don't have the business uh, background or the business plan to make sure it can succeed long-term struggle, but they have the endless passion no matter how challenging it is out there in the environment, which makes it easier for us to do uh, what we do. But you're, you are right that it is in spades here in Michigan, and I'm, I'm glad. It's, it's good to know that someone coming into the state sees it, recognizes it for the outside. Do you think, because I think you're in the same boat as I am. We, we see things half uh, glass half full opportunity. I, I say all the time on this podcast, I think we are a long way from hitting our ceiling of what Michigan has to offer as the destination, right? We need to keep building up opportunities where we are creating more um, more discretionary income, as you talked about in your speech earlier today, which is 100% true for those who are here and those who are trying to bring here. But those who come to travel, Michigan can and should be the destination for its physical beauty. What do you think about Michigan's potential upside from what you've seen so far? I agree with you, Justin. It's unlimited. I mean, I would argue that the only constraints to Michigan, I, I think one of the endearing things about Michiganders, people are here are very humble. But you know, as a Southerner, one of the one of the things you learn growing up, it, it ain't bragging if it's true. Um, and <laughs> I like that. <laughs> it's true. It, it ain't bragging if it's true. And I think there's something to be said that we have to. I I have to get better. Our team has to get better. We have to support the association in telling the full story about the underrated Michigan hospitality, the underrated quality of the food, the drink the socialization that's possible here. Because I think sometimes people think, oh, it's Midwest, it's bland, it's whatever. There's some, you can get in some trouble here in Michigan. (laughs) And that's greater culinary diversity. Absolutely. And and I think that that, you know, I I think that people don't understand that, you know, a lot of people are talking about farm to table and all those things. You got it here, but you can also have Francophone African cuisine in Detroit. You can have world-class cuisine in Traverse City. You can have Finnish cuisine or German cuisine in Marquette. Uh, and all places in between. You know, Grand Rapids. I mean, what an incredible... I mean, I'm not going to name-check restaurants, but we've, we have a lot about which to be proud I sometimes wonder whether people kind of like, I oh, mean, we got some real goodies. I don't want everybody to know about it because I just want to be able to, 
to, to and I think we've got a whole intention, the desire to make sure that it's accessible and we continue to, to, to maintain in a thoughtful, intentional way of growing, but we have to grow. Because if you're not growing, if you're not increasing the velocity to spend, if you're not adding more dollars to the table, you're not going to have a growing, enduring restaurant and hospitality sector for 10, 15, 100, 200 years down the road, which is our objective. Absolutely. Um, and we've been around for 102 years. We like to be around for a couple nice hundred more. <laughs> well played. Well played, Emily. Um, you said you're not going to name check restaurants. And you said during your keynote address this morning that whatever your favorite restaurant is whatever one you're sitting in. But you're not currently sitting in a restaurant. So are you bold enough to go on the record and name your favorite Michigan <laughs> restaurant? Um, I, I'm I'm a wimp. Um, <laughs> I I put it this way. I have I've had an opportunity to spend uh, to be able to fortunate enough to have dinner on both peninsulas. I've never had a bad meal at all, and I think that uh, it's a remarkable assemblage of culinary artists. I also think that the the front house and back house staffs are world class and are very thoughtful. So. I'm not going to name check a restaurant, but there are some wonderful restaurants on both peninsulas, and they can deliver not only any type of cuisine, but if you have dietary constraints. I think that's I think that increasingly will be a segment of the population. Yeah. The ability to to make sure that you can have vegan and no salt and gluten free and whatever that's going to be. And I think Michigan restaurants tend to be ahead of the curve on that. Yeah, the mocktail industry is booming, something mm-hmm. that we've been, not to segue the conversation, but something that we're tracking on that note as well. I think you're right. Well, we're going to let you get out of here, but I want—I would be remiss if I didn't make sure that this point is made clear to all of our listeners, and I don't know if I've said this to you directly, but I remember seeing your original appointment before you had originally moved here, and I said, oh, this, this poor man is coming at a dangerous time <laughs> in Michigan's political history where it felt, I've been in this town for 20 plus years now, and it felt tenser. We had divided government, but it felt that, that there was a lot of tension going on and animosity and people going to the respective corners. And I'm like, this, Quentin has no idea what he's coming uh, for here in Michigan. Uh, and I have been so damn impressed time and again that you have the ability to earn the trust, the respect, the friendship in most instances of people of whatever political ilk on both sides of the aisle to move Michigan forward. That is hard to do in Michigan, especially right now. Uh, you have an innate ability. So I think we are all fortunate that you are That's here kind. with us right now. I mean that quite sincerely because it is not an easy road to hoe sometimes. And you have uh, down. I think you shoot people straight and honest, and I think it's been to our collective benefit. So thank you. That's very kind. And you have the same ability. And Emily, this – look – yeah, you know, I tell people three things. One, I'm a hor- horribly flawed person, but by grace. And so I accord that presumption of goodwill to everybody else. And the second thing I say to people is our legislators, our elected officials, they have incredibly difficult jobs. And we need to pray mightily for our political leadership on all levels. And we have to understand that they're trying to do their best. And the onus is on me in my role in, in, in leading MEDC, is to make it easier for them to understand the information I'm sharing with them. Understand that there's a lot of noise, there's a lot of clutter, how do you do that? And the other thing is just realize sometimes you're gonna have good days, sometimes you're gonna have bad days. And you just try to plug, get better, 
um, when you mess up, hey, I own it. When things go well, you share the credit, you shoulder the blame alone. Those type of things are, are good. And it, and it also helps that, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I have the best job. I mean, when you just have a great, it doesn't, sometimes it doesn't feel like I'm working. I'm just right. hanging out, talking to people. Yeah, now nah, I'm working because some of y'all are like, oh, I know he's not working. But no, but no, what I mean is I get to learn about a fascinating state, talk to really interesting people, operate at the intersection of business, politics, and, and policy. And I can't think of anything more rewarding than that. Amen. What a perfect, what a perfect way to end, uh, Quentin. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your insights today. Uh, thank you for your grace. I really appreciate. It. Thank you, Emily. Thank you, Justin. And and really, congratulations on the podcast and all the success of the association. And more importantly, this vital industry. And the last thing I'll say, your industry is so vitally important in many respects to talent development. For many people, this will be their entry into being a professional. And we thank the industry for that. I take it back. Now, that's the perfect way to end. (laughs) Thank you so much for being here today. Thank Thank you. Thank you. Okay, joining us now, the one and only Peter Bukema, CEO of 6PM Hospitality Partners, but more importantly today, the chair of the Government Affairs Committee here at the MRLA. This is your day. It is. It is. I'm looking forward to it. Thank you to uh, Justin and Johnny for putting together one hell of an agenda for us. Whole team effort. A lot of people engaged to make today happen, but we got off to a good start. We had great weather. You had a couple meetings. What's it been like out there so far? You know, I think generally the reaction we've got is, you know, how can we help? We started off with a lot of questions really around short-term rentals. They haven't heard a lot about that yet this year. Uh, knowing that it's still a, a high priority for the association, that was probably the area where they were kind of maybe asking more questions around what's going on with that, where is that at, and what can we do to support you. I think they understand the concerns around the predictive schedule and, and the constraints that that would put on a restaurant and how almost impossible to operate that would make it for our industry. Warm welcomes overall and in kind of open arms. So That's a good start. It that's is a good start. That's good energy to have to, to start the day. Yeah, short-term rental is on our list. It feels like it's been on our capital day list for years where we've talked about have moved the ball a little bit or prevented a, a, a ball we didn't want to see moved from moving. Uh, it's a different dynamic in this town right now, so there's different opportunities at play on, on the compromise. It just feels beyond even a hotel-specific issue, and I know you are a hotel operator. You can just feel the presence of short-term rentals is so societally large now. Something needs to be done. It does. It does. And it's, you know, we've been talking about the the shrinking housing market forever, and, and that is definitely an issue. You see uh, people in our industry buying up dilapidated motels to put up their right. workers. You know what I mean? And that, that just shows a level of desperation when now the employer is becoming also the landlord for the employee. And, and we're not talking about Mackinac Island. That's been an issue up there. We're just getting bodies over there to turn turn the wheel on Mackinac Island. But at the end of the day, just when you have you know mainland Michigan restaurants um, looking to buy and provide housing for employees. I mean, that's an issue that, that we've got to get our arms around. So, yeah, no, I agree. I'm going to guess you feel that in Holland uh, specifically. Why don't you talk a little bit about your property, City Flats, right in Holland? Yeah, so City Flats, uh, we acquired a few years ago and we just rebranded that to Tulip Hotel, Holland. Uh, Fitting. 
Yes, very much so, very much so, uh, with a Y. That officially went live here about a month ago. And uh, we've had a great start to Tulip time. Nice. Uh, we're about halfway through the festival right now. Uh, although a little little rainy at the beginning of the festival, it was a, it was a great kickoff. So, but no, Tulip's great. We did a, a nice refresh to the public space. We're gonna tackle uh, the rooms portion of it this fall and winter, um, and refresh all those rooms. It's about twelve years old, so it's time. Yeah. Uh, it was very modern decor out of the gate, and so it still was relevant to today, but it definitely something that's uh, starting to show some age, and we want to get ahead of it before it becomes an issue. So, And you have a new property in Manistee, Hampton and Suites, waterfront property opening at the end of this month? Uh, we're going to, we'll say the end of June right now to be safe. Okay, um, we're shooting for mid-June. Uh, elevators were a little bit of an issue in, in switchgear. Electrical switchgear has been a construction industry-wide issue. I think most, we've got another project we're working on down in Battle Creek, and that one's been 18 months yet since it's been ordered, and it hasn't shown up yet. So switchgear should show up around the 1st of June. Uh, Elevators are going in right now. They're going like mad to get those up and running. But that'll be, that'll open up uh, mid-June. It's a Hampton and Suites, as you said. Uh, 102 rooms right on Lake Michigan in the middle of the First Street Beach Park. So there was an old, the old Lakeshore Motel there that yeah. we purchased. And so it, the, the beautiful thing about the property is not only are you on Lake Michigan in the sand dunes, we'll have a, a, an awesome beach bar looking out towards the lake. And then we have a fifth floor restaurant there as well. Um, but you have all the park amenities around you. So there's a dog park there's tennis courts there's ball diamonds there's four different swing sets there's a boat launch so we got everything right 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 around the hotel within walking distance a quarter mile from manistee country club uh for anybody that wants to come up and golf you know about 15 months from manistee national so. oh, i love it talk to me about the talk to me about the why of manistee because it is not the top tier when people think immediately where is my tourism destination mission going to be but it has all of the qualities that you'd be looking for. It feels like there's a high upside. Yeah, excellent uh, question. They, The city of Manistee is really at this turning point and the, the new leadership right now at both the city council, city manager, and the mayor's office and everything, they are really focused on turning Manistee around and, and embracing their uh, recreational roots, both from a boating and from nature's perspective. The city has a lot to offer, and it's one of those things that the right property in the right market will really help evolve the community. Uh, Since we've started our project, they have had inquiries with over uh, 16 different restaurants, 10 of which are actively happening. Um, A lot of new stores coming into downtown, and and now you're taking a downtown that was really starting to turn to blight, and it's becoming an issue of we don't have enough space for the people that are wanting to set up shop in Manistee and really that are um, starting to take notice to Manistee. So it's a great problem for the community. You know, will it be crazy busy like Traverse City? No. But, you know, one property... That would be exciting to some potential right. tourists right. out there, right? Well, I Something think that's part of... A little slower, but still have some great amenities. Exactly. And I think that's part of it is, you know, Traverse City is crazy in the summer. And great, uh, you know, a place I love to visit too, but for sure. at different speed, you know, Manistee's the, the salmon capital of the Great Lakes, and so salmon fishing's a big thing up there as well. I didn't know that. Yeah. So immediately north of the hotel is a huge boat launch and uh, tons of parking and stuff. So it's awesome. Maybe Team MRLA needs to take a trip for the opening. I'm I'm thinking some committee meetings or (laughs) association meetings or something. We could probably set something up. Future summer board meeting at Manistee. 
I don't know if I can keep up quite with Mission Point, but I'll try. <laughs> Speaking of committee, so as Justin said, you are the chair of the Government Affairs Committee this year for 2023. Record-breaking record day, which we've probably said on this podcast a few times with 200 attendees. But there are a lot of firsts, you know, 200 attendees being one of them, and also uh, a political dynamic in Lansing. That's the first time we've seen a Democratic majority in our lifetimes, probably, in, in all the wow. chambers. Yeah, maybe your lifetime. That's fair. I was a solid two years old the last time the Dems had uh, all three, the trifecta as they call it. I wonder if we can make it through a podcast without you bringing up our ages. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> uh, I don't know that there's much spread between Justin and I, but right. uh, yeah, yeah, uh, definitely a, a little spread here in between you and I. But you know, I think as a group, there's a lot of passion for what we do every day, and. At the end of the day, it just really requires us to reevaluate how we've been working in Lansing and around Lansing and and change our approach or maybe alter our approach. The message, the need, the struggles, still real, still relevant to everything going on today uh, in our industry, in our businesses. The struggles are still real with our employees and, and, and so we're working, I think, in a different approach with the legislators, even at a local level, uh, with our elected officials too, on on how do we solve some of these issues without putting more strain on the business. Our, our industry is still trying to recover and make up for lost time, and I think we need to be sensitive to that. Uh, and, and I think that's part of our ask as we've met with some of our local officials too, is to say, here's a list of our key priorities this year. but. You know, please don't forget about us and the strains that we've just gone through, and we're still trying to figure it out in a lot of ways. You know, Steve Loftus always talks about his frozen ch chicken strips. You know, if I fry <laughs> them up, you won't know if they're chicken or fish. You know, uh, if I've heard that joke once, yeah, I've heard it ten times today. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I, I think it's just our, our approach. Um, Johnny's been solid. Uh, working with us and, and really helping us channel our energy as a group. Um, again, you have varying opinions on every issue, both within the association's membership, uh, the association's leadership, and, and definitely within the committee makeup. And and I think that's what makes us strong is that breadth of background and values and beliefs. But and again, too, it's helped open doors. And, and so... You know, they've been moving fast this year. Yeah. I think, you know, uh, Johnny made a quote a little early on in, I think it was December, uh, about uh, on, on this podcast about uh, how fast they move. And I've kept reminding them that it's definitely faster than what he had quoted himself saying. Yes. We'll so, never let him, let him live it down. Yeah. All right. Well, I'll, we'll end on this. I'll say that we've been talking about firsts uh, and a lot of firsts today. Uh, you were our first board member brought onto this board post-merger of lodging uh, with restaurant here at the association and I think you've done a really perfect job of integrating both industries together into one and that we are not a restaurant association and a lodging association. We are an association that represents hospitality and you've been a perfect ambassador on both sides of those. Whether any particular issue that we're working on impacts you the most or maybe it's, it's a secondary issue. You've been a, a leader in pushing our collective 
uh, agenda forward. So I thank you for that, and, and I appreciate everything you've done so far. Thank you, sir. Thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, been working hard. Uh, yeah, I, I have. I uh, I very much understand that we, uh, based on membership, are a restaurant association, and we have hotels. But I'm working to uh, alter that stigma, as as I know you are every uh, day of the week. But you know, I think we're doing a good job finding some potential new members uh, to join the board on the lodging side and to really grow that side of it. I, there are a lot of lodging members that really care for this association in the state and want to do uh, whatever they can to support it and to help grow it. And we're working on growing that base. So looking forward to continuing this journey with you, sir, and, and you as well, Emily. And uh, yeah. Thank you. On that note, I don't know how I can get better than that. So thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Fahey Schultz Berzick Rhodes PLC is Michigan's premier attorney for hospitality-related legal services. The depth and breadth of experience within the team enables them to serve as a one-stop resource for clients throughout the hospitality industry. Their diverse client portfolio includes national restaurant chains, regional restaurants, hotels, taverns, entertainment venues, golf courses, liquor stores, as well as breweries, distilleries, and wineries. They have the expertise to assist with corporate formation and structure, engaging new and investors, assisting with local and state licensing matters, all aspects of liquor licensing and violations, real estate matters including purchase transactions or leases, intellectual property protection, advising on and executing expansion opportunities through franchising or other growth vehicles, purchase and sale agreements, succession planning, and planning and executing exit strategies. Clients also benefit from the experience and insight of lawyers who practice across the full range of legal fields which intersect with the hospitality industry. When day-to-day employment law issues emerge, the experienced labor and employment attorneys are there to counsel and provide strategic advice. When threatened by legal action, the litigation attorneys are prepared and ready to defend clients' interests. Their full-service approach makes the firm uniquely positioned to help hospitality clients of any size. To find out more, contact Fahey Schultz Berzick Roads today by visiting www.fsbrlaw.com or calling their office at 517-381-0100. Okay, Jean Lanfear, thank you for joining us on the What's With The Pineapple podcast. Jean is the Vice President of Human Resources with Pat and Wings, or JK&T Wings, which operates over 50 Buffalo Wild Wings in Michigan and is MRLA Board of Directors Treasurer on the path to becoming Chair of the Board of Directors in a couple of years here. Jean, how has your capital day been? Oh, Capital Day has been great. Number one, the weather has been outstanding for the first time in a couple of years. take full credit. (laughs) As you should. And we had some great meetings, um, very insightful. It's just so good to share our concerns and then get feedback that's sympathetic and understanding. So I would say for the most part, it was a very good day. That's great. You probably were running all over Lansing for various meetings, right? Yeah, but that's okay with the weather. It was nice to be outside and not sitting behind a desk. Why do you feel like it's important for a company like yours that operates so many locations across Michigan to participate in a day like today advocating for the industry? It's absolutely imperative that we do that. Um, The issues that are on the table this year and the last couple of years have been, could be so detrimental to our industry and we're talking over 3,000 employees in Michigan in our company alone um, that would be severely impacted and very negatively impacted. So I think having our presence here and a voice in front of the people that are making the decisions or uh, is very important. But I think, number one, we're educating them. 
I found that when we go to these meetings, we're really educating them. They don't know what the, the they they know they see the issue. They it's in writing, but when they they don't know really how impacting is it is and the details that make up those issues that are on the table. So. Yeah, the decisions that yeah. they're making in Lansing impact real people. And days like today, when they can sit in front of them and say, you know, this is my life, this is what I want, and maybe what you think you're doing to help me isn't actually helping me. Absolutely. We've been talking all day about you know, this is a new day in Lansing, that there's, there are different majorities that we haven't seen in a long time. But there's also just a raw number of first-year legislators this year, a lot of them, and more than ever that don't have any legislative experience before this. So they are the clueless of the clueless and need this type of education. So it's, it's important, and it's great for a company of your size to be able to have a coherent message that's statewide but be able to take that to each individual district across the state and talk about how that impacts their individual community. So it's perfect. I'm glad that you're here. Yeah, absolutely. Have there been any surprising takeaways or sentiments from those conversations that you've had today? Uh, not, um, we will bleep out any swear words if, <laughs> if it comes to that. So you, you express whatever you feel needs to be expressed here, Jean. It's a safe space. Some of the things that we feel are so obvious. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, you know, you'll talk to somebody who is more sympathetic to, you know, the cause. And it's you, you really just want to pound your fist on the table and say, no, this is, this is what will happen. So that, that's the frustration. But I, I think for the most part, I just really get off on when one of them says, oh, I really don't know what that means. And then you, you tell them and you can see the, you know, the glint in their eye. They got it. The so, light bulb yeah, on. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good experience. Well, I'm going to, I'll pivot, although this is Emily's lead and focus here, but you were here and took the stage last fall, inaugural Women in Hospitality Leadership Conference. Uh, you shared your experience and path to leadership in the industry. We're coming up on our second, and it seems increasingly popular, Will Conference uh, later this year. Uh, where do you see the future of hospitality leadership in our state? For women? Mm-hmm. First of all, Will was amazing. It was just a, such a surprising first year. Uh, I don't think any of us expected that kind of a turnout. And even more exciting was the um, everybody there was just embraced the moment. They embraced the messages, and it was just a, a, a really great day of you know getting all these women together. I am very excited about the, this next one coming up. I think it's going to be bigger and better, and I think a lot more women. It just gives them a little more credibility and a, and a little more feeling of, you know, they can do this. You know, I can tell you, they see other women in the industry with the same issues they have. And I, I think a lot of people came away with a real positive, you know, takeaway from that. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Strength in numbers, right? And fun fact, Jean was the committee chair for the Marketing Comms Committee back in 2018 when or 2019 when we were... Just before COVID, yeah. Yeah, figuring out how to launch Will and bring it in as part of the merge of the association. So really come full circle yeah, in that absolutely. sense. Absolutely, yeah. Accomplished. Yeah. <laughs> Talk about date and time from that because I, I have a hunch based on how popular last year's was that we will sell out quickly even with expanded opportunities. So when, when is Will coming this year? First of all, no pressure. That's a heavy sentiment. <laughs> um, the conference will be Wednesday, November 15th at the JW Marriott, again in Grand Rapids. And registration tickets will go on sale mid-June. So coming up quick. Willcon.com. Love it. Love the subtle it. plug. The, the year went fast. Yeah. 
What's the future look like for, for Pet and Wings, JKT? You guys seem like you're ever expanding and growing and doing a great job running Buffalo Wild Wings, not just in Michigan, maybe predominantly in Michigan, but not just in Michigan. What does the future look like? Pat and Wings is doing very well. We have a very cohesive um, executive team, a very cohesive operations team, and um, great support from Inspire Brands. So we're, we're very happy on all fronts. Food cost needs to come down a little bit. Getting help has gotten easier. You know, we're seeing the market ease up a little bit. So if we can get past these issues that are on the table with the tip credit and predictive scheduling, the year will look a lot better. Are you boneless or bone-in wing? I have to ask. I'm boneless. Me too. <laughs> like adult chicken nuggets, basically. And what's your favorite sauce? The, uh, the barbecue. I feel like it's standard, but that's my go-to. I'm the mild. How about you, Justin? Mild? Both of you. These answers. <laughs> it is a toss-up, depending on the day, between Jamaican jerk and Asian zing. Both oh. are phenomenal. You <laughs> get them both go. together, it's a lot of heat, but it is, uh, <laughs> that's, that's the way I go. Glad I to love, hear I it. I love Buffalo Wild Wings. Yeah. It's a great company. All right. Well, Jean, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Okay, rounding out our day, our capital day here with the man himself, MRLA board chairman Billy Downs, franchise partner with Ford's Garage, founder of BD's Mongolian Grill, president of Downs Management and Consulting. Thank you for joining us. Thank today. you, Emily. It's exciting to be here. It's been a great day so far. Uh, how have things been? Good. I mean, I'm just amazed with the uh, strong turnout of all the operators across the state, both lodging and restaurants that have shown up. Vendor support, it's really, I think it's one of the biggest uh, capital days we've had. The biggest. Is it actually officially the biggest? 200 people. Okay. Yeah, great, great, great grab. I think uh, that that shows you that there's probably concern and opportunity out there to uh, to get some things done here in Lansing so or stop some things being done. Absolutely. Yeah. What's what's top on your list there in top. terms of what you're talking about in your meetings today? Yeah. Well, I think we have a number of subjects, but, you know, some exciting stuff on the positive is really, you know, the workforce development stuff that affects all the operators across the state. You know, until they fix immigration, <laughs> we're going to have problems with how where do teammates come from and how do we develop them? And so we have two uh, initiatives, uh, one that's been ongoing with ProStart. In fact, uh, huge news uh, last week out of Washington when our Plymouth Canton schools actually won the National Pro Star Competition. So that's exciting and it looks like that's going to be a part of funding for next year, which is awesome. We're appreciative. And then also we have our Hospitality Training Institute of Michigan, which is new and exciting and helping develop future leaders for our industry. Uh, looks like it might get some funding. So that's exciting. On the flip side, alarming stuff. Predictive scheduling is probably one of the most alarming things I've seen recently um, has come from an out-of-state uh, kind of a test, if you want to call it that. Certainly, this is not something that seems to be a grassroots within our state. Nobody seems to want it. We've interviewed and surveyed uh, teammates across the state, and they don't seem to want predictive scheduling. And operators and owners don't seem to want predictive scheduling. So that's some ugly legislation that I hope gets defeated or, or put to the side. Yeah, I don't want to sleep on that point. The fact that we we sense anecdotally from our team members in this industry that they don't want that, that flexibility is important to them. But we really wanted to to understand empirically whether, whether that was true. And so uh, with the board support, we went in and, and, and did some polling uh, specifically of workers in this industry, not operators, but those uh, who are working in restaurants and working in hotels. And it was fascinating. The numbers were more profound, I think, than we even expected, right? Number one issue of why they enjoy working in this industry, the list of 10 of them of why they like working, number one by far, was the flexibility. Flexible hours is what they love the most about being here. So the idea that a predictive scheduling was going to box them in 
is not a good idea. And no. that shows up in the polling as well. And so there's just this sense of, I don't want to call it do-gooderism, but it feels like that, right? Like, I know what's best for you, and I'm going to create something that's better for you. We see it with the tip credit, and it just isn't where the actual workers in this industry are. And they're going to put them into a single one-size-fits-all box that doesn't work for them, makes this industry work or uh, worse, and it doesn't do what it uh, what they're trying to, to accomplish with it. And so... I'm glad that that was communicated by our 200 people out there today. Yes, yes. Not fun stuff. Hopefully, that, like I said, it disappears. Absolutely. Yeah. On the Plymouth Canton side, not to brush past that too quickly, they're here today as well, getting recognized on the Senate floor. Straight up celebrities, these guys now. <laughs> I mean, they're like on, a, on, a, on an international tour, it feels like, at this as point. As they should be. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, we're not quite to the end of our day, and I'm excited about the food we're going to taste from them as we go to our reception here at the end of the day. So, yeah, I'm really excited. And, uh, gosh, it was great to have, uh, you know, one of our board members uh, from Michigan State University, Dr. Ellsworth, present them with scholarships to go Michigan me. State go for me. a grand of person. Holy moly, that's awesome stuff. Good not only if they go to you know, state now, but if they go to culinary school and then come back for management stuff, it's still good then. Well yeah. done, Sparties. Absolutely. I think I saw a few tears in some people's eyes in that crowd this morning for that. So that's great. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, moving beyond Capital Day a little bit, you are five months into your chairmanship of the board of directors at the MRLA. When we get, you know, to 2024 and you look back on your year as chairman, what will what will you have hoped to accomplish this year and what will success have looked like? That is a really good question. You know, five months in, we've seen more happen in Lansing at the beginning of this year than we have, uh, well, since I've been around. Let's just call it that. So I feel like it's already been a year <laughs> full, of, <laughs> full of energy and, and stuff, um, at least legislatively. I'm really looking forward to the, to the rest of the year as, uh, you know, today's a a great day. I, I think that we have a lot of new people that are, you know, up here in Lansing that are new representatives, new senators, and great opportunity to meet and connect directly with senators and their staff to, you know, build relationships for the future. And I think that's the important thing is we got to continue to build relationships. I think that the uh, members of our association, I think that our board in particular is doing a, a great job of reaching out to newbies up here and in their communities. And I encourage everybody to continue to do that. If you're an operator out there and you're, you know, sitting at home what can you do? You know, invite your local uh, elected officials in for coffee, for dinner, for uh, a hotel, uh, whatever gathering that's going on. And um, I think relationships are just so important. So I'm excited to continue to build relationships the rest of the year. And I know we have a lot of work yet to do. Yeah, relationships matter. That was part of your uh, chairman's address in your issue of the magazine and your uh, welcome this morning to the group. So it well, is and important. And you're a humble guy, so you don't want to sleep on, but I don't want to just move past this because I think you've put a premium on trying to get this board of directors specifically the executive committee to reintegrate personally we've had a lot of meetings via zoom over the, over the recent years and it's 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 easier to do obviously but it, it does not move us towards building those sort of interpersonal relationships that really move mountains when it's necessary so I think we appreciate your commitment to, to making sure that this board knows each other well and is is closely knit and working together because that is you know you're almost like restarting reinventing the wheel almost on some of this stuff because it's, it's easy to get comfortable coming out of, of COVID to continue 
continue having meetings via Zoom, but uh, you've been you've been sort of insistent that we have some of these in person, and I think it's to the betterment of the association by far. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. I mean, you know, COVID happened. It happened. We actually learned a lot about efficiencies and effectiveness just using, you know, Zoom and Teams and other platforms, and they will become a part of our lives for, you know, for the foreseeable, if not indefinite future. But in person, connecting one-on-one, getting to, you know, have a relationship, whether it's with our own teams here at the MRLA or out with your teammates at, uh, at your place of business, customers and stuff, it is so important. I mean, we're a people business. Come on. Aren't we? We are pure Michigan. <laughs> Got to live our values. Live our values. Bring it to life. All right. Yeah, that's a that's a good transition into, you know, we like you said, we've had to adapt. We've changed the technology, but the core of the hospitality business is still people and our guests and, you know, the core of hospitality is what we do. We can't just be on a screen and we can't just, you know, be served by robots. Right. So this is a little bit of a more random question, but what are some of the biggest differences you see now operating or opening new restaurants with your work with Ford's Garage? You just opened a new location in Novi at the beginning of this year compared to when you founded uh, BD's Mongolian Grill, you know, in the 90s. What's Ooh, shout out downtown Royal Oak. The yeah, original, the OG. I know. I know. Gosh, I first of all, it is safe to say that the world has changed, you know. So and along with the world changing, so have the people in the world. And, um, you know, the biggest thing that I've seen change since early 90s till today is technology. It's just amazing, you know, and we went through dot com and then we've now seen this whole new generation of technology and AI coming at us crazy, you know, the opportunities with AI and the threats with AI. So I think, um, you know, the biggest changes is how to, you know, be hospitable in this new digital age. And uh, and what's coming down the pipeline is exciting. And like I said, it, it, it is a little bit scary too. But I think our industry can embrace a lot of technology to deliver a higher level of service without getting rid of the connection. Yeah. Well, we just recently had Dave Denver, your friend and mine, talking about BYOD, his AI-driven program. But his whole point was we need technology to free up our people that are working in this industry to be hospitality first because that can never be replaced or we're not doing our job. So yeah. I think that's the point. We have to embrace it but find ways to make sure that we're still hospitality forward. Yeah, and me uh, with my base in, in really casual dining, it's been good to see recently that you know people are craving to come back and have an in-person experience with their family, friends, coworkers, etc., and gather over a meal or even more trips up to, to celebrate and Beautiful parts of our awesome state. And did I did I mention Pure Michigan? Because you just did. (laughs) You know, you know, uh, I'd like to see that continue at even a higher level. So just uh, planting seeds out there works for me. I think Quentin feels the same way. Well, I want to make sure we hit Ford's Garage a little bit. My family loves Ford's Garage. The burgers are a must-have. A what is your favorite burger on the menu? I am so boring sometimes, you know, but I love just the American standard burger, which is, you know, just your American standard cheeseburger. It's it's awesome. We do a half pound uh, fresh patty burger. Um, people seem to love it. I also have a bison burger that I, I really like on the menu. It's my yeah, go-to. I know. Well, if, I know. It's, it's, it, it, yeah. But it is, a you know, perceived a little bit healthier. So yeah. there, there we go. So Good enough for me. Um, but, you know, in addition to our burgers, you know, people come in, we have a wide open menu, you you know, grilled salmon is like one of our top sellers, you know, okay, and people nice. can put that on a salad. You can have a plate, blah, 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 blah. And, uh, you know, it's but thank you for asking about Ford's Garage. We have two units here in Michigan. Now our second one in Novi just opened. Uh, just crushing and, it out there. And, and, yeah. 
Thank you. It's been going well. So we're very, uh, very blessed. Thank you. We, every, we were there for the opening, the soft opening, and it felt like every elected official within 50 miles was there. We had Supreme Court justices there, congressional representation there, state senate, state house. It was amazing. And locals. You just Billy Downs was the man. They, I think we might have violated some open meetings acts uh, that day with that many people in attendance. Well, I won't. I, I can't take credit for them all being there, but I can tell you it was through a relationship that I had longstanding that one of the elected officials invited a bunch more and that was a blessing for us and for them I think um, it, it's awesome that they were able to show up and and we appreciate the support honestly yeah I think it summarizes that Billy you don't just talk the talk you walk the walk and that's a summary of that right there yeah, brought it full circle the importance of relationships critical in the industry critical for what we do here at the association Billy Downs chairman of the board uh, thank you for your time today and what's with the panel thank you appreciate you both 